Hello, this is John Curry. Welcome to a new episode of our Secure Retirement Podcast. I am in New Haven, Connecticut for a conference this week. It's called Retirement Income Masters. And I'm sitting here with my friend Peter Stahl. Peter, welcome. Thank you, John. Peter Stahl is an unusual fellow in the sense that he talks about the convergence of healthcare and financial planning. And Peter, you've been to Tallahassee to do a couple of workshops for me. Our clients loved it. And so our advisors loved it. So what in the world is this convergence of healthcare and financial planning? And a little bit of your background, please. Sure. Well, I've been in the financial services industry, John, my whole career, which is about 30 years. But back in 2012, I put together my business to really train and educate both consumers as well as financial advisors on some of the central financial planning components that surround retirement health care. Very good. And you make the difference to what you emphasize that retirement health care. So how does retirement health care differ from me going to work and working, have a career, and I'm not retired yet? Right. Good question. Healthcare, the primary way people get their health care during their working years is through their employer. Now, we, almost to the point where we just take that for granted. Yes, we do. So uh, that's just the, the way it's been for a number of years, and there's tax incentives at the company level that have kind of driven that, and that's grown. Uh, more recently, we had the Obamacare exchanges uh, for people that aren't getting their insurance through their employer. They're getting their insurance on an exchange, and so that's the, the primary driver there within that market. When you transition to retirement, it's all about Medicare. Medicare is mandatory. Medicare will be either in part or in whole your health care during retirement. And then you have other issues, uh, both as you accumulate wealth for that retirement space and then as you move into retirement, such as custodial care. Uh, so both the ins and outs of, of Medicare and then the complexity of some of the issues surrounding custodial care really make up the core of the retirement healthcare discussion. I get questions literally every day that I work because most of my work is in retirement planning. I get questions about Medicare. And I didn't pay much attention to it until we started getting you coming in doing workshops for us. And as I was getting closer to 65 as of December of last year, 2017. So I had to do a little homework myself. And I was surprised at how little I knew. I knew a lot about Social Security Mm -hmm. But now as I'm aging and my clients are aging, I'm getting more and more questions about Medicare. So we got to bring you back into another workshop. <laughs> Glad to do it. Let's talk a little bit about the different components of Medicare. Uh, many people think I, I just call up Social Security or go online and I register for Medicare and it's no big deal. It's more complicated than that, isn't it? It is in the sense that a lot of us have the mindset that we have to enroll in Medicare at age 65, for example, where the trend in our country has really been aligning your Medicare enrollment with your retirement because many people have company insurance that will carry them through all the way until they retire. And because those retirement ages are being pushed out to later in life, there's many people that are working to 68 or 70 or 75 and retiring and enrolling in Medicare at that point. 
Now, there is some complexity. There are some folks that will have to get enrolled at age 65, so nothing's quite as simple as it seems on the surface. But the general trend is lining up that Medicare enrollment with your retirement. So, yes, there's a lot of nuances to this Medicare that people don't realize, that being one of them. There's a lot to learn, too. I know in my case, I took Part A, enrolled in Part A, uh, but didn't take Part B because I'm still working and I have a group plan. Mm -hmm. So down the road, I'll change uh, and uh, Medicare will be the primary. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your big issues you always talk about. You touched on it today, Simon, that is health savings accounts. Talk about that and the role they play in helping cover costs in post-retirement years. Sure. It, it, it's an exciting topic, the health savings accounts. The first thing you need to recognize is health savings accounts are not available to everyone. They're available if you have the right type of insurance. And when I say the right type, there are certain stipulations that a health insurance plan has to meet. It's called a high deductible plan. So there's deductible stipulations and there's a few other both federal and state stipulations that this insurance policy has to meet. If it does so, it qualifies as, let's call it HSA insurance. So you'll have a health savings account along with this high deductible health insurance plan. So this is, you know, many employers are offering this and people that are self-employed. It's about 30% of the working population has a high deductible health insurance plan that is HSA approved. The concept is you put money into the health savings account, it goes in pre-tax. So that's pre-federal, it's pre-state pre-FICA, you know, when I say pre-state, 47 of the 50 states. Right. Um, and then you can take the money out tax-free for qualified health expenditures. But what's happening, John, in our country is people are recognizing that health care costs for most of us will be greatest during our retirement years. And so they're using the health savings account as a way to save for health care expenses in retirement. Mm -hmm. And so rather than having the money come in the front door and go out the back door in the same calendar year, they are paying this high deductible with other disposable income and therefore freeing themselves up to invest the HSA and let it grow for retirement. And really what they're doing is, in a way, prepaying those costs, aren't they? So they're setting money aside today to take care of a problem that we know, if we live long enough, we're going to be facing. Exactly. And so they're, they're recognizing that health care is probably my largest expense during retirement. It's a mandatory expense. And so I need to specifically plan, save, and invest for it. And so they use the health savings account to that end. On the panel today, you made that comment about mandatory expense. Uh, explain to our listeners what you mean by that. Because some people are a bit, they're thinking, it's not mandatory. I don't have to have health insurance. <laughs> well, yeah. mandatory in the sense that if you want health insurance, uh, you'll need to get enrolled in Medicare. And it doesn't matter if you're very affluent, for example, and say, well, couldn't I just elect for some sort of private health insurance and, and not opt for this government Medicare system? No, it, does, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so if you want health insurance, when you make that transition from employer-based insurance or from one of the state exchanges that you're on into retirement, Medicare 
will be your insurance. Now, there's you know federal benefits that can work in conjunction with Medicare. Retiree insurance, becoming a little more rare, but there's certain retiree insurances out there, once again, can work in conjunction with Medicare. Uh, but either in part or in whole, you're going to be needing to enroll in, in Medicare. And there are costs. Like you mentioned, that Part B, it carries a premium. Uh, part D, your prescription drug plan, has a premium. Most people go out and get a Medigap plan to fill in some of the holes. It has a premium. So there are costs, and the costs actually vary for some of the pieces based on your income. So right. some people are going to be paying a lot more for this coverage than others. Absolutely. We just had a cost of living adjustment increase with Social Security, but people I'm talking with said, I, don't, I didn't see it because my Medicare premiums also went up. Right. So let's talk about what you're seeing in that area. Yeah, it was interesting. In 2017, Social Security announced a 2% COLA, cost of living adjustment. Finally, the year before it was only 0.30. And the year before that, it was zero. <clears throat> so great. people were actually pretty excited about a 2% pay raise. And then, as you just stated, they got their statements and they're looking at them and scratching their heads saying, I'm not seeing any increase. So there's really two things that went on unique to 2018. One of them was most people saw a pretty substantial increase in their Medicare Part B premium. They had been sheltered from increases in that premium over the last couple of years uh, due to complexities that we can't get into on a podcast, but they had been sheltered from previous increases in the Medicare costs, and that sheltering went away in 2018, and so they saw a pretty sizable bump in their Medicare costs, and Medicare comes out of Social Security, so that wiped out the 2% COLA. And then, John, the other thing that happened is some of the income levels to determine what your Medicare premium is going to be got changed for the more affluent households in our country. And as a result of that, some of the more affluent households actually saw their Social Security benefit decrease because their Medicare B increase and D increase was even more sizable. And the ones I talked with were not very happy about that. (laughs) No, no, they weren't. They don't like that. When I do individual consultations or in seminars or speeches, that comes up quite a bit. Talk a little bit about the impact, Peter, that the new tax law has on the planning for health care. Well... I mean, there's a lot of good news in in the tax reform that was passed, uh, but there wasn't a lot of direct change as it relates to Medicare and tax planning for retirement. Uh, most of the changes had to, you know were on the corporate side. Now there is one piece of that, one major exception to that, in that there is a new bracket introduced for the most affluent households in our country. Uh, that will drive up Medicare costs even further for them. So the, the, the one footnote to all that is that there will be, for the most affluent households in our country, a pretty sizable increase next year in their Medicare premiums. Right. Very good. Uh, what are some of the things that you think anyone getting close to retirement, let's say they're five years away, or they're stepping out of the workforce into retirement, what are the things that you would love to share with them to get them to think about these issues. Yeah, I would say, I mean, if we can back up five years, as you just said, said to do some planning, terrific. If we can back up 10 or 15 years, even better. Much better. Right? So um, what I always tell folks is 
as you accumulate money for retirement and those peak earnings and accumulation years, let's call it from age 50, 55-ish, all the way up until you retire, uh, there's some changes to traditional ways of saving money that you should consider. Number one is if you have a 401k at work. 401ks are terrific, but there's two versions of a 401k, a traditional and a Roth. I'm always encouraging people for their employee deferrals, the money they're putting in out of their paycheck, to start building a balance in the Roth because the Roth will give them a tax-free cash flow in retirement. Very important. So consider the Roth would be point number one. Number two would be the health savings account that you brought up a minute ago. If you have the ability to to choose a high deductible health insurance plan and you do your research and figure that's maybe a good option for you and your family, then fund that HSA and don't spend it. Get it invested. Let that thing grow. You have to have enough disposable income and you know your, your emergency fund in place so that when life happens, you're not going to be forced to tap it during a market downturn. But get that HSA working for you. Fully fund it. Let it grow. And then the other piece of it is just consider tax-efficient investing. Um, a lot of folks are looking at big capital gain distributions this year. And that's a nice problem to have. I mean, I, the tax return with a lot of capital gains means you've got a nice investment portfolio generating those, and good problem to have. But considering tax-efficient investing, tax-deferred annuities, uh, there, there's ways to help control some of those taxes so that you can be in a position to manage some of the Medicare costs driven by those in retirement. My friend Ed Slot likes to talk about forever taxed retirement accounts, IRAs, and never taxed Roth IRAs and life insurance. <laughs> I like that. <clears throat> and he, he's right about that if they're used properly and also to help cover some of the costs of long-term care down the road. You talk about that quite a bit, too, from the standpoint of what's going to happen in retirement. So let's talk about now you're in retirement. What is your research and your teaching say about the different types of health care costs in retirement? I like to break it down in terms of routine costs, what I call kind of your meat and potatoes, your, your day in and day out, month in and month out costs. I stub my toe, got to go to the doctor, right? <laughs> right, right. And that's everything from your premiums on your Medicare to the co-pays to the deductibles to things that aren't covered, the, the, the dental work, the vision. Um, but then recognizing that an even larger potential cost lurks out there and even beyond the cost, John, potential non-financial implications on your family if and when you have a custodial care event. And so I break it down, routine costs and custodial care. Custodial care meaning the non-medical events. So help getting out of bed, making your meals, getting around the house, using the facilities, taking a shower. You know, We all know people and have had life experiences where people due to medical conditions, need help with these activities of daily living, that uh, can have enormous both financial and non-financial implications on your retirement. Absolutely. And many people are surprised to learn that that's not covered by Medicare and their health insurance coverages. It's just not It's not adequate. It's, it's not. And the other thing that uh, people automatically think I'm talking about nursing homes. Well, I might be. In about 30% of the situations, 
uh, a custodial care need gets to the point where a formal nursing home environment is the best and sometimes the only solution. But the more common scenario is people who are getting their care at home by loved ones. Right. Loved ones meaning your spouse or your daughters. The daughters are a lot better at this than the sons. That's just the reality. Yeah. And, uh, and if we don't plan for this, uh, it can be crushing on the people we love the most. Peter, I've heard you say several times now that it, the long-term care situation or custodial care, as you describe it, which I like better, it's not about you. It's about your family. It's about the people you love and care about who will have to change their lives to care for you. Would you expand on that? Sure. I mean, as I consider this for myself, uh, the question I need to, as, as challenging as it would be in my life to, to need custodial care, and you know, I'm, I'm a typical healthy guy who likes to exercise and eat right, and having a custodial care event is the furthest thing from my thought. But the reality is, if it were to happen, who would provide the care for me? This is not about the challenges that I would face personally. This is about my spouse and my daughters because they realistically would be the ones that get involved with my care and they've got very full lives and my spouse is about the same age as I am. So if I have a custodial care event at age 75, at age 80, is she going to be equipped physically from her health point of view to care for me? My daughters at that point will be hopefully uh, having a family and managing a wonderful career. Right. Are they going to have 20, 25, 30 hours a week to get involved with my custodial care? I mean, we need to think these through. It's not about me. It's about the impact caring for me would have on their life. I've been doing this for 43 years now. And one of the saddest things I see is someone needing care, mom or dad, and then you have the brother and the sister, let's say, that are arguing. And one is providing the majority of the care. One is attempting to, or maybe not even attempting to. And then they fight over assets later if there's anything left. Because, well, I gave all the care. I deserve something. And the other one says, no, we're going to split it 50-50. And it's very frustrating because with proper planning, that could have been taken care of either by investing money that's set aside for that purpose, mm -hmm. purchasing a traditional long-term care insurance policy, or, if appropriate, having a life insurance policy that has a long-term care rider on it, or other types of programs, or, or there are even annuities you can purchase that have long-term care provisions. And I get so frustrated because I say, surely someone, some financial advisor told you about this before you got to me. And they always say no. Yeah, it's... It's amazing how early on we are in this country with all these conversations. I mean, we, the first baby boomer hit age 65 a couple of years back now, summer of 2016. So now we've got 10,000 people a day turning 65, 10,000 people a day turning age 70. You know, at the age where they're really dealing with these issues. In fact, that's, that's why I called my book Top of the First, because despite these issues having been around for so long, we're just more recently, as our country ages, getting after them and dealing with them. And to your point, there's a lot of ways to equip your financial plan 
to be ready for a custodial care need. It's Absolutely. not just long-term care insurance. That's a very viable and a good solution, but there are what they call asset-based products and hybrid products and life insurance and annuity. But there's a lot of ways to create income to help out the daughter, the wife, the husband, whoever it is handling that care. Child or grandchild. You, you know, Peter, one of the things I tell people is I don't know that you need to purchase long-term care insurance. But you certainly need a plan in place to fund long-term care. Because if you live long enough, you're going to have a problem. Now, that might mean that you allocate your Social Security payments for that. Maybe you don't need the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> invest it or just use that for the care. Uh, we've got just a few minutes left. to Talk a little bit about your book. What prompted you to write this book? Well, I, I started speaking back in 2012 about these issues and I just realized the vast need for education on these topics and there's a number of ways people like to get educated sometimes it's a live presentation so I travel the country (laughs) coast to coast yes you do (laughs) yes you do Um, but uh, like myself I like to read I'm a prolific reader both for personal enjoyment as well as professionally. That's how my brain works. That's how I digest information, show it to me in writing. So I thought, all right, I will put this out into print as well. And now we're getting into podcasts and video and in other ways to to get that information out there. So uh, I I put the book out there to really go through the central issues and, and to allow people to have a resource to understand how to think about them. Well, the title of the book is Top of the First, The Convergence of Healthcare and Financial Planning. And the author is Peter Stahl, and that's S-T-A-H-L, Peter Stahl. Peter, uh, anything you want to share uh, in closing with our listeners? Well, I would say uh, there are some encouraging trends. When you look at the number of people that are recognizing they need to start to address these issues and save and invest specifically for them. That trend is is a positive trend line when you look at it. So despite the enormity of these costs and some of the complexities around the, the alphabet soup of Medicare, people are recognizing, I need to get after this and I need to do it well before I get to retirement. So I'm encouraged by that. Talk a little bit about the importance of coaches to help you along the way. This is a very complicated subject for financial advisors. It's a complicated subject for me. The more I study it, the more I realize how much I need to study. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the importance of having someone that you can work with that understands your situation and help you. Yeah. I closed my book, John. It just made me think of this. And I mentioned this in the forward as well, in that there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And you do have do-it-yourselfers out yes. there, right? And if you like to delve into stocks and bonds and investments and annuities and mutual funds and you want to put your own plan together and can figure out growth versus value and international domestic, great. <laughs> you know, I personally like to have a financial advisor. Even though I'm a CFP myself, I have an advisor to oversee all my assets. Um, but when you add in the complexities of healthcare costs and custodial care and the alphabet soup of Medicare, to try to do this on your own, to me, 
speaks volumes as to why people rank healthcare as their number one concern. It's, it is very complex and simple things such as proper use of an HSA, the Roth 401k versus the basic 401k, people tell me, you know, I, I, I've never heard that before. So finding an advisor such as yourself who takes a holistic approach is critical. Well, I think you're right about that. And one of the things that, w- that occurs to me as we're sitting here, sitting here in New Haven, Connecticut, is we're talking about just one piece of the puzzle. And, and we've gone for almost 25 minutes here just talking about Medicare and health care issues. When you start factoring in how do you plan for inflation, because health care costs are much higher than the regular inflation rate. So there's so many parts to this thing. And it's not just about the health care. How do I make sure I don't run out of income? How do I coordinate my pension if I have one, my 401K with my Social Security? All this stuff is a bunch of moving parts. But I'm getting the same reaction from my clients. They're telling me my biggest concern is how do I pay for health care in retirement? Where will the money come from? And if I have a custodial need, custodial care need, how will I pay for that? Right. And we want to enter retirement with peace of mind. And the way we do that is by properly planning ahead. And, and, it, and it can be achieved. You address the custodial care concern. You address the routine health care costs. And you build and invest and save appropriately for those. Then you get to retirement and you move through retirement knowing that you don't have to worry about it. And it does take a little work. You have to take the time and be willing to take the actions necessary to make sure that you have that peace of mind down the road. Absolutely. Peter, tell people how to get a copy of your book. Uh, easiest way is, is right on Amazon. If you go on to the Amazon.com book sale section, uh, top of the first, and uh, with my name, would come up with a search. I also have a website. My speaking business is Bedrock. Bedrock Business, <clears throat> excuse me, Bedrock Business Results. So you can go to my website, which is a Google search will do that as well. But you can go to uh, my website as well and find the book. Peter Stahl, thank you so much. If you would like to know more about John Curry Services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. 
Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances, not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 through 2018. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.